And I appreciate the testimony of Chad. I remember a year ago, me and Chad sat down together and where he was and where he is now, man, it was a shattered experience. And over that period of time to see God mend him and put him back together was a blessing for me as a pastor to see God work because I know God works. And when you literally see it happening, that's when it becomes real. And so right now, what I want you to do is I want you to focus on this passage of Scripture in Mark chapter 5. And we're going to read this together and, uh, and go through this second portion of the woman's life that was shattered, the woman with the issue of blood. So uh, last week, first week, we actually talked about fractured faith and how problems create fractures in our faith and they, the faith and they start to develop. They get worse and worse over time, right? And uh, if those fractures in your faith are not stopped, then eventually your life in week two will begin to fall apart and shatter. And so we looked last week at Mark chapter 5 at a woman with an issue of blood. We don't even know her name. The Bible doesn't give her a name. And uh, we looked at how her life became, became shattered and how it fell apart. And uh, it's very clear. And then we stopped, which is disappointing because we didn't see the finished product. We didn't see her life get mended. And so today, we're going to look at the mending of this woman's life, all right? Uh, before we continue looking at the life of this woman with the issue of blood, I, in Mark chapter 5, what I want to do, I want to focus on the vessel, okay? And I'm going to walk back and forth. I know this is going to cut into the uh, cut into what we got going on here uh, with the screen. So the, the, there's a vessel on the left and there's a vessel on the right. And uh, I want my wife, would you do me a favor, Brianna? Would you go in the next room in my jacket? I, I've got a little uh, remote. I would like you to grab that for me. I need it for a little bit later. The vessel on the, the left is the one that we're supposed to look like, symbolically speaking. The one on the right is the shattered life of the one that just eventually over time got put back together. I put that together. Can you tell? It was horrible. It was horrific to put that back together. I think, I think the I think for us to understand where we're going with this woman's life, we need to look at the vessel. And so the pot was created by the potter. In Jeremiah chapter 18, there is an explanation of this picture, okay? And I want to show that. So if you would, look with me in Jeremiah chapter 18. Thanks. Jeremiah chapter 18, the Bible says in verse 1, the word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord saying, Arise and go to the potter's house, and there I will cause thee to hear my word. So he said, I want you to go. I'm going to illustrate something through the potter, which is going to bring me to this vessel over here, this pot, in just a minute. And he said, what I want you to do is I want you to watch what he does. So he went down to the potter's house, and before, before him was laid out the pottery. And then over here was the clay and the wheel, and he takes the clay, puts it on the wheel, and begins the work. And as he begins the work, the Lord says to Jeremiah, this is Israel, and I am the potter, and I can do whatever I need to do with the clay. And when, it gets, when, when it's marred and it's broken and, and, and it doesn't look right, I can put it back together and make it sufficiently what I want it to be. It's a picture. It's symbolic. Everybody with me so far? Yes. And I know this is specifically talking about Israel. And God is going to be working with Israel and putting it back together and working and forming it. But it also speaks to us symbolically. 
We are a vessel. We were created by God. We're fearfully and wonderfully made, and we were meant to look like this. We were meant to be a vessel with purpose and honor, and we weren't made to be broken. We were made to be whole and well. Successful life, a thriving life, a life that we can have God pour into us and we can pour into others. This is not going to be a very successful pot if I poured anything into this. It's not going to work well. I believe in our lives that God is the potter, we are the clay, and the vessel is the finished work of God. That is the believer in Jesus Christ. And I want to specifically focus on the fact that that represents somebody that is a believer in Jesus Christ. We were designed to do more than just exist. We were designed by God to invest in others and pour into their lives just like God poured into our life with the Spirit. To better understand our position as a vessel, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do a little bit of uh, Pottery 101, all right? I'm just going to illustrate this, okay? It's really simple. As people, in the beginning of our life, there's a process. And this is all symbolic. Everybody with me? The process is this. We are the clay. And then the potter comes along and says, I need to do something with you. So a potter centers the clay and begins to work with the clay. And the clay doesn't really go along with the potter. So the, the potter begins to mold it and move it. And so the clay is not very... Uh, workable, if you would. And we're like that. So as people, we have a way of thinking. Like Proverbs 14, 12 says, there's a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof is death. So we want to do it our way. And God says, no, no, I got something for you. Just let me work with you. Mm, mm, mm. And so he starts to shape us and form us. And this is called conviction. Where people going, okay, okay, I get it. There's truth. Jesus is the son of God. He lived, he died, he rose again. I believe it. I'm accepting it. And then... The potter starts the work and he says, okay, if you can accept this, he starts the next part. That's the opening of the clay. Getting to the heart. Because he works from the middle out. He works from the heart out. He works from the center out. The world works from the inside. I mean, the outside in. You look good. You sound good. Your, your finances are good. Your marriage looks good. That's great. But if the heart of the issue is not God and fixed by God, and God is not in the middle of your life, then there's a problem. So the potter begins the work on the heart. For with the heart man believeth. If you're not, you're not saved by your mindset, you're saved by your heart, giving your life to Christ. So he opens the clay and begins the work from the inside. This is the salvation. And then the next step, step three, he starts lifting the clay. He starts to lift that clay. This is the building. This is after an individual understands their conviction. Oh, I can't do this on my own. I can't figure it out. And then God starts working on their heart. And then they become a Christian. And they get saved. And from there, he works from the inside out. And he starts to lift that vessel and build it. You know what that's called? That's called transformation. That's God doing something really cool in your life. You're growing as a Christian. You say, I know nothing about Christianity. Or I know nothing about the Bible. And, and, and God says, that's okay. The more you read, the more you study, the more you attend, the, the more you're going to grow and build and, and develop. And then through that, you become something very special and unique because God takes the next step. And this is all symbolic. I hope you're following me with this. Step four, he starts to shape the clay. He starts to shape it in such a way that he shows the purpose of the pot. In the beginning, it just looks like a lump. 
And then he starts shaping it in such a way and building it up. And you're going, oh, I get what's going on here. But it's at this point in the final step that he reveals the characteristics of the vessel. Its abilities, its gifts. It's called sanctification. It's God saying to you, you were convicted even though you thought you had it figured out. You accepted me by salvation because with your heart you believed. And from there I started transforming you and building you and, and, and developing you. And now, now there's sanctification. You're where you need to be and I can use you. And now you see your spiritual gifts. You're, you're fearfully and wonderfully made and you're so special that you're going to do things that nobody else can do. No pot is the same. No person is the same. We're all created differently and with purpose. So every edge, every piece of our life is unique. And as Christians, we're very specific in what God was very specific in what he wanted for your life. He was intentional. And so there it is, the finished work. And there we are, standing going, all right, I'm ready. I've trusted Jesus Christ, even though I thought I had it all figured out. I was, really, I was leaning on my works, and I was leaning on religion, and I, I was leaning on tradition. But I put all that aside, and I gave God my life, accepted him with my heart. And from there, he started developing me, and then God shaped me with purpose. And now here we are. All right? We haven't even got to Mark chapter 5, but here we are. Woo! It's done. And the complete work doesn't come without him putting it in the fire. And that just makes it solid. we got to go through some things, right, sometimes. And God will put us through some things to make us solid. That's okay. That's all right. But in the end, this is what we're supposed to look like as believers. Isn't that beautiful? It's perfect, right? But the problem is this. Life happens, okay? Yeah, life happens. And then we I'm going to be very careful with this, okay? Life happens. What is that life situation that happened? Well... We ended up having a few problems, and it created fractures like week one. We were questioning our faith. Is there a God? Is he really there for me? I feel like John the Baptist. Are you the one? And these fractures begin to develop. And over time, they get worse because these problems develop into what we called last, last week issues. The word issue was twofold. One, it talked about the flow of the woman, the blood issue she had. But it also, it was for us, culturally speaking, a problem. And problems, issues, if not handled right, if not brought to Jesus, if you would, over time will create more issues and then eventually shatter you over time. And then we, we said last week, it redefines you. You have a new identity. You don't look like that anymore. You look like this and nothing makes sense. Actually, you were in pieces, right? We showed the pieces of this last week. And you're like picking it up going, what do I do with this? Who am I? You start questioning your sexuality. You start questioning your marriage. You start questioning everything you know because nothing looks right anymore. All you have is a bunch of pieces. It's like a puzzle and it's all in a box. And you're like, what is that supposed to be? Unless you look at the box cover, you don't really know until you put it together, right? Yep. So here we are. Life happened and we fell apart. And here's the woman with all her pieces and she goes to Jesus, Mark chapter 5, and she's trying to get to him because she knows that there is a way to be mended and put back together. And it may not look like the original, but it's going to be put back together in a way that she can get through life and do it well. So everybody with me? Yeah. Yeah. Great, good. 
All right, so here we are. You notice in that video that there was water being used as he was shaping and formatting and giving purpose to the vessel because the water in Ephesians chapter 5 represents the Word, the Word of God. When we apply the Word of God, it helps us to get those rough edges off and it gives more clarity and we have an understanding, of, okay, this is what life is truly about. But still, life happens. And when it's finished... We still have something that comes along and puts us in a place where this woman is in Mark chapter 5. Okay, so here we go. She took the necessary steps to be mended by Jesus. And I believe we can take those steps too. All right? You may have read this portion of scripture a thousand times, but I hope I can approach it in a way that maybe you didn't think about before, okay? I'm going to be very simplistic, and I want you to remember what I'm saying and apply it because I think it's the only way that you, as an individual, will really feel mended appropriately because you can put it together the way I put that together, and it probably isn't going to last, okay? So here we are in Mark chapter 5, verse 28. For she said... If I may touch his clothes, I'll be made whole. She said, all I have to do is get to him because I heard about him. I know what he can do. He's a healer. He does miracles. If I could just touch the hem of his garment, I'll be made whole. The word whole means to be brought back together. Mended, if you would. So, very simply put, keep believing. Are you all with me? Keep believing. If you want to follow the necessary steps to be mended by Jesus, you have to do what she did. She, was, she kept believing. She believed there was still hope. The problem with people is this, is they give up too soon. They give up too soon. They give up, they give up on their marriage too soon. They say, it's hopeless. That person will never change. You even told your spouse, you will never change. This is who I married and I didn't even know it. And now I see it. You, you, you look at your kids and you think you're going to be a brat all your life. You will never change. They do grow up. They do change. Sometimes for worse. But the problem is, is this. People stop believing. You cannot get out of that place that you're in, that dark place, if you don't believe that God can get you out of that place. I've never met a generation like we live in today that they are so hopeless and they give up so quickly. But they never walk out of the theater early. They're not like sitting there watching a movie, The Adventures, and go, oh, it looks real bad. Looks real bad. It looks like the villain's going to win. Kids, let's pack up and go. It's over. It's, it's hopeless. It's a hopeless situation. The girl was kidnapped, and he says, he said that he was going to come and save her, but he didn't make it in time, and it looks like she's probably dead. She's probably dead. Kids, she's dead. Let's go. I've never seen anybody do that in life. Even when I've taken a test, and I was never good at it, if I didn't study, I would still try, if it was, especially if it was multiple choice. I'd just be like, A, 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 A. You know why? Because I believe there's still hope that I could get at least a D minus, okay? I, I need something. You've been there. You know what I'm talking about. But why is it when, when it comes to life, we're done? You, you cannot be mended unless you believe there's still hope. Keep believing. Don't stop believing. You say, well, mar married to death do us part. Okay, that could be a while. So don't stop 
believing. I'm not into football. Don't even care. If I was into football, I would be an Alabama fan. But if I was into football, I'd also not walk out of the game if it didn't look like it was going well for my team. I would finish the game. Some of you have already given up on the game. And I hate to refer to life as a game because it's not a game. It's, it's a reality. But you have to keep believing. It's not over till it's over. Abraham believed that, that his son would be delivered from death before he even got to the top of Mount Moriah. He was believing. And his son was delivered. God did what he promised he would do. Job kept on believing that God had a purpose for his loss. He lost everything. And God did. He had a purpose. Joseph was in prison. He had dreams. If you ever studied that portion of scripture, you know his dreams. But he never stopped believing that God was going to fulfill his dreams all the way up until the end of his prison sentence. And he did. You got Moses that believed all the way up until the last plague because God did what he said he would do. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego believed that God would deliver them from the fiery furnace. And he did. Daniel believed that he would be delivered from the lion's mouth. And God did deliver him. Over and over again through biblical history, we see the intervention of God. And even here in America with our forefathers, we've seen God show up when people almost gave up. David did, and so many more in the Word of God. And if we do not step back and look at the bigger picture and understand that we have to keep believing, then there is no way that we will see the mending of God. Now watch this. Mended hope only comes when you believe there's still hope. I know you think, well, that sounds good. God can do whatever he wants, whether I believe or not. True, but if you compare scripture with scripture and you understand what God's word says, he doesn't like to show up unless you're believing that he can show up. Do you understand me? Yes, his mercy endureth forever and he is a merciful God and he can show up without you believing at all. But I know, according to the scripture, that faith is a necessity to please God. It is an important part because in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, for he that comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. In other words, those that are making it a point in their life to go after it. So, don't stop believing in your purpose. Don't stop believing in your identity in Christ. Don't stop believing in your children, in your healing. Don't stop believing in your fatherhood or who you are as a mother or who you are as a daughter or a son. You can't stop because when you stop, you're going to miss out on what God has in store to mend your life. Just don't stop believing. Now, I would think that would be so simple, but it's harder than what it sounds like. Because if you've been at something for a very long time, you would think this is never going to change. I have no idea why I did this. But yesterday, I, I watched the testimony of Colonel Sanders. <laughs> it was the weirdest thing. I'm like, why am I doing this right now? But it was interesting. I didn't know Colonel Sanders of KFC was a Christian. But he didn't get saved until his late 70s. And when he gave his life to Christ, he said he had to come to a place in his life where he stopped following religion and tradition and just gave it all to God and believed in the truth of God's word. He said everything changed. And he said, what scares me is how many people go through life for a long, long period of time and get as old as I am and never give their life to Christ. 
They never became a Christian. And so I see, and it's so interesting to me, that people that give their life to Christ go through a long period of time, maybe before they give their life to Christ, or they go through a long period of time as a believer and have some things in their life that are ugly, like this woman with the issue of blood, and finally see God show up because they kept believing that there was still a possibility. As long as you have breath in your body, God is not over. He's not finished. He's not done with you. And so I want to draw your attention to this next portion, okay? She believed that there was still hope. And now look at the next portion of Scripture, Mark chapter 5, verse 27. When she had heard of Jesus, she made a move, and she came and pressed behind, the Bible says, to touch his garment. She followed through with what she believed. She took action. In other words, she made it a point to pursue after Jesus. She didn't stop believing. She knew there was a possibility of something to happen through, through the, the miraculous work of Jesus Christ. And so she went after it. She took action. So she shows up to where he's at and presses forward through the obstacles. I'm going to tell you, if you want to see the mending of God in your life and you want to see your life put back together, absolutely you have to believe that there's still hope. But you have to follow through with what you believe. Action. It, here she is with all these obstacles. You have the Pharisees over here and you have this crowd of people here and, and you have Jesus in the midst and you have the disciples and, and the Pharisees are thinking, why are you here? You're the woman that has that issue, that issue of blood. You're unclean. You shouldn't even be out and about because at this time you should be at home. Because there's that period of time that every woman goes through and they're unclean and you are not any different than them, even though yours never stops. Go back home. She's thinking, oh my, I'm not going to stop. I don't care what the Pharisee says. I, and then she sees the ones she had an acquaintance with, those people that she knew, and even some that she thought may be friends, and they were another obstacle. And let me tell you something. When you go on social media, I feel like when you're trying to get up, social media can pull you down. It's an obstacle when you're trying to get mended, when you're trying to take action, you're trying to work through and say, hey, I know there's more for my life than this. People that are really critical about her, and even the disciples maybe. But she pressed forth and, and went through those op, uh, obstacles and took action. So what, what's holding you back? Ask yourself that question. What's holding you back from following through with what you believe? What is it in your life? Lazy Christianity never accomplished anything. You say, I believe God. Well, do you believe God? Because the Bible says in James chapter 2 that faith without works is dead. You say, well, I have faith and you have works. Well, they, 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 they work together. It's the same coin of believing. One side is works and one side is faith. It's believing. You can't have one without the other. And it's very clear in James chapter 2, verse 14 through 20, that faith is a necessity. If you believe in God, you have to not only just believe with faith, but you have to have works and action. Now, this has nothing to do with your salvation. You can't be good enough to go to heaven. For by grace are you saved through faith and not, not of yourselves as gift of God, not of works. But when you become a believer in Jesus Christ, there is action that must take place along with your faith. You can't just sit on your hands and say, oh, it's going to happen and not make any action. I, I don't know if this is a, a good way to put it or, or not, but me and Ellie were 
we were on a, we do these country drives, right? She sees the weirdest things, and I always miss it. And one time we were driving by a house, and she said, Dad, those goats are in the yard with, with um, shot collars. And they're going in and out of the house. I said, those aren't goats. Those are dogs, Ellie. Nobody has goats going in and out of their house with shot collars. Who does that? We turned around, and sure enough, it was goats. And we're driving by, and I saw this little, I said, Ellie, did you see that donkey? I don't see donkeys much because we live in Columbus. But I said, did you see that donkey? She said, Dad, it's not a donkey. It's a, it's a pony. I said, it's not a pony, it's a donkey. So we turned around and it was, it was a pony. I was wrong again. Because there's a distinct difference between a pony and a donkey. A donkey is very stubborn. Donkeys will do what they want. They kind of like us. It, it's interesting. I heard this story, and I don't even know if it's true, but it's a great story, regardless, about a farmer and an old donkey. And he had a dried up well. And the donkey came along, fell in the well. It wasn't a very deep well, but it was deep enough where the farmer couldn't get the donkey out of the well. So he tries and he tries and he tries. The donkey's really old, the farmer's really old, and they got nowhere. So the donkey's crying out, and the farmer's all upset. So he calls his neighbors, they come over, and he says, let's get the donkey out. i got to get the donkey out. And they couldn't get the donkey out. So he makes a decision, probably a redneck decision. He decides to let the donkey die by burying the donkey in the well. So he gets his friends and gives the shovels, and they begin to scoop up the dirt, throw it in the well. Oh, the donkey starts to cry out because he knows what's about to happen. And after a few minutes, the donkey stops crying out. And to their surprise, they look in the well and the donkey is fine. For a matter of fact, the donkey is standing on the dirt that they've been throwing in the well for well over an hour. Every time they'd scoop up dirt and throw it in the well, it would fall on the donkey's head and the donkey would shake it off and step up. And shake it off and step up. One scoop after another to the point where he was finally at the top of the well and he stepped out of the well and ran off. I know that seems silly to you, but the moral of the story is simply this. If you don't learn to shake off the depression and take action against the anxiety and step up and shake it off and step up and shake it off, you will never, ever, ever get out of that dark place. You say, well... <laughs> I, I've done the first step. I, I, I still believe there's hope. But if you haven't taken the next step and, and follow through with what you believe, you're going to be like the donkey in the bottom of the well getting buried by all your circumstances, by all your problems, by all your issues. Are you all following me? Yep. You shake it off and step up. And shake it off and step up. Take action and follow through with what you believe. James 2.17 says, Even so, if, if hath not works indeed, being alone. Faith, even so, by itself, without works, is dead. It's, it, it can't accomplish anything. Take action and pursue God. You cannot have one without the other. You can't say, I have faith, but no action. Now watch this. Mark chapter 5, verse 29. All right, y'all ready? She received healing because she believed. It, it all flows together so well. She believed that there was still hope. She followed through with what she believed. She took action. And then here we are in verse 29, receiving the healing, being made whole because she believed. Now, I'm going I'm to do it this way. I want to break down the mending process, okay? The mending process that Jesus did in this woman's life, the, re the, the, the healing she received... And let me explain it. It was personal. 
And that's very important to understand because the Bible says that in Mark chapter 5 and verse 30, but the woman fearing, trembling, let me give you a backstory here. Jesus knew that he was touched. He knew exactly who touched him. But he said to the disciples, who touched me? And he said, look around, Jesus. There's tons of people here. How are we supposed to know who touched you? He already knew who touched him. He just wanted her to come forward to spill some things that she's been going through. Just, he wanted a personal time with her. And so, suddenly, in verse 30, she makes the decision to come forward. And she says everything that's been going on in her life. She told him all the truth, the Bible says. And he said unto her the word daughter. This is interesting. When you have the mending process take place in your life, and you're going to receive that healing, you have to get really honest with God. Are you all following with me? You have to be transparent. When's the last time you got honest with God? When's the last time you bowed your head before God and spoke to Him as easily as you could speak to me or a friend and just laid it all out and said, I need you. I have not given up hope. I, I want to follow through with whatever you put in my path. I'm going to get through those obstacles. I want amending. But God, I want you to know what I'm feeling. Some people say you can't, you can't express yourself to God. That's a lie. God is a person. He's very personal. He wants you to tell him what's on your heart, what you're going through. He wants to have that conversation. It's very important to have that. I remember when I was in college. Actually, I was going to college. I sold my car. And I had nothing. I mean, I, I, I had no money because I made money off that car. And I was so stressed out. I was so angry with God. And, and, and I just thought, I'm going to Bible college. I know this is what you called me to do. And, and I, I'm not stop believing that you have a purpose. Or you're going to work all this out. And you're going to put all the pieces together, if you would, symbolically speaking. But what's going on, God? I'm leaving in like a week. And I have nothing, right? And I finally let it go. And I said, God, whatever you have in store, I accept it. I, I just want you to show up. I believe. I went to bed. The next day, this is before I had a cool cell phone, you know, because I had a pager, right? Remember the pagers? The little, like doctors get, be, be, be quiet. So I got, I got a, a page for my sister. I'm working with my dad. I'm up on the scaffolding. My dad uh, says, hey, um, Dana just called uh, our page students. Go to, so I have to go find a phone, right? Remember a pay phone, so I go find a phone. I call her and I said, you know, you shouldn't page me unless it's important. She said, Dave, some guy randomly called the house. I don't even know how he found your number and said that he felt like he was supposed to give you his car or sell you his car. I was like, what? Okay. So I meet this guy, call him, and I meet him that night. And uh, sure enough, I go in his house. He sits down with me, him, and his wife, and he begins to explain to me that he met me at a funeral randomly. And I said to him, randomly, about to go to Bible college, trying to find a car, trying to work through details. That was about the extent of the conversation. And he said, but I knew through your cousin who you were, and I, I looked your name up in the old phone book. You remember that? Okay, so I really sound old now. Just turned 44. But he said, so I finally figured out who you were, where you were, and I, and I, and I wanted to get a hold of you. I said, right. So what's, what's up? And he goes, I have this car. It's a great car. I want to sell it to you because I know, I, I know you mentioned you needed a car. 
He said, uh, I said, well, I only got 700 bucks. That's it, $700. He goes, well, let me talk to my wife. So he comes back out and he says, we can't sell you the car for 700. We feel like we should give you the car for $500. Can you do 500? I'm like, well, let me think about it. I was like, yes, I could do it for $500. And he goes, all right, great. And then he says, can you give me a, a ride to my, my brother's house? I said, sure. So we're driving to his brother's house. Did all the paperwork, gave him $500, and I said, why do, why do you need a ride to your brother's house? And he goes, because I just sold you my car. My wife has a vehicle, but I don't have a vehicle, and I'm going to borrow his vehicle. And I'm like, what? He said, I couldn't get away from what God laid on my heart. I can't even explain it to you, Dave. I don't know you. You don't know me. But God wouldn't let this go. He wanted me to sell you my car. You know what? I didn't know how the pieces were going to come together. But I do know this. The night before, I was really upset with God. And I was really transparent. And I just put it all out there and had an honest, honest conversation with him, just like this woman told him all the truth. If you don't learn to have an honest conversation with God, you're not going to see some pieces come together. You need to open up to the Lord and just lay it all out. And when you make that decision, God shows up and does some things because he wants to see your sincerity. He wants to see your heart. And so he referenced her right after that, his daughter. The interesting thing about that, and this is the only time, the only person in the New Testament that Jesus ever called daughter. Isn't that crazy? And the only thing I could even remotely understand about that is this. There was a synagogue later that just came before her and went to Jesus, put himself on the ground, and laid out the plead, help my daughter. I'm the father. This is my daughter. She is deathly ill. I need you to do something. This was that little girl's champion. But this woman had no champion. Her father didn't show up. And I am so grateful that God is the father to the fatherless. And it was like Jesus was saying to this woman, daughter, in other words, you have nobody to represent you. Like that man represented his daughter, I'm going to represent you as if you were my family. You were just raw and real. I love the fact that we're real people. Authentic relationships are what we're looking to have. First with God. And Jesus said, you were just real. You just put it all out there. He said, and to me, we're family. And that healing took place right there at that moment. And we see after that reference that the Bible says, thy faith had made thee whole. He said, let me tell you something else. It wasn't that you touched the hem of my garment. It wasn't, even it wasn't even the fact that you made it through all the obstacles to get to me. It wasn't even the fact that you stopped, didn't stop believing. It was the fact that you got to this point in your life and were so honest, so real, that you applied your faith. And that's why you were healed. And then he says, go in peace. I love that word peace because it's translated harmony, safety, prosperity. It, it, it means that you are now in a place that you can move forward. And you can't move forward unless you're made whole. And the Bible says she was made whole. He didn't leave her in pieces. He said, you're made whole, go in peace. And the word whole is simple. It means to take all the pieces and put them back together. Is everybody with me? Yes. Okay. I found it interesting when I was reading about the potter in the Old Testament and excuse me and then looking at the potter in the New Testament and the way they would work just looking through historic books and so forth 
And what they would do is, uh, I believe it's called a fesca. It's a little tick that they would take off the lamb. And then they would take that tick and smash it and then mix it with the clay. And the reason they would do that is because they've discovered that when they would fix the pot, it would still, still leak. It wasn't holding together. But there was something about the blood of that lamb that was mixed with the clay that would seal the pot in such a way that it would not fall apart. Is this cool or what? Symbolically, it's to say, you can try to put it together your way and try to look like that. But if you don't accept the fact that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that He lived, He died, and rose again, and that it was through His shed blood for your remission of sin, you will never be made whole again. You have to have an honest conversation with God and understand that He loves you just the way you are. You don't give up. You pursue Him, and when He puts you back together, it's in a way that nobody else can. Let me tell you something. It was so difficult to put this together. I tried duct tape, Gorilla Glue, Super Glue, which they're both different. And then I even tried Hot Glue, which was horrible. In the end, it would still fall apart. But I combined it, all those things and made a freak decision with all this freakish potion to have a Frankenstein, if you would, pot. And in the end, it held together somewhat. But when God makes a move in your life, you don't have to fret and worry. I worried all the way here if it was going to fall apart because he seals the deal. He puts you back together, makes you whole, and there's peace that goes along with it and says, hey, life isn't going to be perfect. You follow me? Now, catch this before we go. He specifically made her whole and healed the problem and mended her, but he didn't mend her financial needs. Remember she spent all? He didn't say, oh, hey, let me get my wallet out and give you a few bucks to help you out. No. He didn't go back and erase her 12 years of history of being the unclean woman. That was still present in her life. Those are the cracks. Those are the scars that are left behind. So she didn't look like this in the end, but she was put back together. And let me tell you what's special about that. What's special about that is the simple fact that we have God living in our life, Jesus, if you would. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this. And because He's in our li- life, we're the light of the world. We, we, we want everybody to know about Him. It's so special, right? Y'all following me? But when we become broken and mended, we feel like we can't have the same effect as this pot. We don't look the same. We have scars, but every scar is a story. Every crack, every fracture is a story. And I want you to know this. Your light shines so much brighter when you're able to use these scars to tell somebody about Jesus. You say, well, I don't look like that. This is a little bit prettier because the light is a little bit brighter because the light's on in that pot just like it is in this pot. The difference is I can't see the light as clearly as I can see this light. And I'll tell you why. Because this pot has been mended in such a way that it's allowing things to be revealed about Jesus. And when you get mended, it's not going to look like the original pot. But it will be this. It will be a story that's told with every crack, with every fracture, with every scar that's going to be so bright, people are going to go, I can relate to where you're at because you've been there. 
I, I, I appreciate your story. I want you to do this. Would you do this for me? Would you just bow your head for a minute? And just out of respect to those around you, just before we close in prayer. And I want you to think on this, okay? Just think this way. What is my purpose? Why am I here? Is it just to get up in the morning, to eat, breathe, and go through life, and go back to bed and do it again the next day? Or is there a purpose for me? Does God have a reason for me to be here? The answer is yes. God created you with purpose. Yeah, it was symbolic to use the vessel, the pot. But there is a reality to that. Your life is so wonderful, but it's fragile. At any moment, it could crack. It can fracture. It can fall apart. But the focus needs to be on Jesus. And if you haven't accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, in other words, if you haven't come to the place in your life where you said, okay, the truth is that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, and I believe it. That He lived, He died, and He rose again. Now, I may not completely understand it, but I do believe it. And that He, through His blood, the shedding of blood, made a way that I can be forgiven. I can be put back together. And everything I've been through, all those pieces represent something amazing. And I can tell others about Jesus Christ. It's a, a beautiful story. But it starts with your faith. I said it once and I'll say it again. You can believe in whatever you want to believe in. Anything you want to. But the most important thing for you to believe in is his truth. Because Satan has made a lot of avenues that he calls truth. But that doesn't mean they're true. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So truth's foundation is in Jesus. And with that, life begins. If you've never accepted Jesus, I'm going to challenge you right now where you're at in your seat by faith to give your life to Him. Let your new life begin. Say, Dave, I've never done that before and I'd like to do that right now. That's me. Anybody like that? Nobody's looking. That's why we bowed our heads. Anybody? If that's you right where you're at, I want you to bow with me and just simply ask God to come into your life. Say, God, I believe that you sent Jesus. He died. And I believe he is your son. But he rose again. In your own words, by faith with your heart, you say, God, come into my life. Forgive me of my sin. I am asking you by faith to change my life. I believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And I believe He can forgive me of my sins and mend my life. If you believe that, and you've prayed by faith right now in your seat, in your own words, that is what we call becoming a believer, a Christian. And life truly begins at that point. If somebody's here and you say, you know, I did that. I may not completely understand it, but I did that. Would you raise your hand? Anybody like that? Okay. Now here's the next step. If you're here and you're a vessel and you've given your life to God and you know for sure you're a believer, but things are not looking too pretty because your pieces are everywhere. Well, why don't you just let God put it together right now? Can you just have an honest moment with him? Just like that woman did right where you're at in your seat and say, here I am, God. Here I am. My marriage, my kids, my finances, I'm giving it all to you. I don't know where you're at. Maybe you're, you're struggling. Maybe you want to have kids, but you can't seem to do that. 
something's wrong. There's an obstacle in the way. Maybe you want to get married, but there's things you're still working on and you can't get that figured out just yet. Those obstacles. Don't stop believing. Can you just give it to them right now in your seat and then take the next step and that's simply this. Follow through with what you believe. Say, God, I'm going to take action. I'm not going to just sit in this pit, this, this well, if you would. I'm going to shake it off and step up, shake it off and step up. And then I'm going to see some changes because I believe that you can do something amazing. I believe you could bring a healing to my marriage and to my family. So right now, if you're getting real with God, where you're at in your seat, would you just pray and say, God, I'm giving it to you right now.